Hello, welcome to Dying to Talk. I'm Buddy Feneff, a fourth generation funeral director in New Hampshire and the owner of Feneff Funeral Homes and Crematorium and the founder of the Cremation Society of New Hampshire. My co-hosts today are Mandy Damaris and Madison Smith, both longtime funeral directors with our firm. Hello, I'm Mandy. Thanks for joining us on Dying to Talk. Hi, I'm Madison. We're excited to discuss some frequently asked questions about the funeral industry. Dying to Talk is a lighthearted and upbeat discussion of those topics no one really wants to talk about. Each episode, we will choose a subject that is related to funeral service, the cremation process, or death and dying. Today we have um, we have another wonderful guest. Uh, this week's show is going to be devoted to advanced directives and end-of-life planning. Our guest is going to be Dr. Sanders Bernstein. He is medical director for Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center in Nashua and an end-of-life planning advocate, expert, and an author. I read in his article that, I'm going to get the number correctly, only 37% of New Hampshire adults have advanced directives. Wow. Well, that's not actually that surprising. I think that's, I think that's pretty, I mean, it's, it's scary because so the other, help me with my math, 63%, 63. Um, you yeah. are leaving those important decisions to other people. Mm-hmm who may or may not even be family members or relatives. Right. So, important topic. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Thank you. So let's, you know, what are advanced directives? Let's sort of, our audience, you know, people may not understand what advanced directives are. You hear it all the time, hear it on TV shows. Why don't you just sort of set the stage and let us know what, what you mean by advanced directives? So an advanced directive is a document which allows you to take control over things that happen to you when you're no longer able to speak for yourself. We call advanced directive is that document the, the durable power of attorney for health care or a living will, where you name someone who will speak for you. Okay. And advanced directives, at what point in someone's life can they, you think advanced directives, mom's not doing well, we need to get, but when can people create these advanced directive documents and do you need an attorney to do them? So the advanced directive um, is the document, but it's only as good as the conversation that precedes the filling it out. And so really, uh, we call that conversation advanced care planning, which means planning in advance for your care. And so anyone who, uh, anyone who could possibly lose the ability to speak for themselves at some point should have this, which is really everybody. Which is really everyone. Everybody. At some yes. point... It could happen unexpectedly to a young person. Um, or it could happen to somebody, uh, if you have an, an illness, you might expect something will happen. Mm-hmm. So for my birthday last year, my four adult children between the ages of 21 and 31, they gave me their advanced directive. They oh, gave wow. you theirs? Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Now, is this something that you have to set up through a lawyer in conjunction with a doctor, or can you just write it down on a piece of paper and and put it in a safe deposit box? Great question. So lawyers will help you in the completion of many documents, including the advanced directive, but the advanced directive can be completed by anyone without a lawyer. Um, There are, there's a New Hampshire advanced care planning guide, which you can get online. Uh, which goes through the legal document. Um, we think it's helpful, though, to think about that choosing an agent carefully and thinking about some situations and thinking about personal views that might affect it. So we think it's helpful to have someone help you think about that, go through what we call a facilitated conversation. 
and you don't have to have a lawyer to do that. Um, so there, there are, we're, we're offering uh, that service uh, we call honoring care decisions to help people have that conversation in individual and group settings. Now, I read in one of your articles that only 37% of New Hampshire residents have any sort of advanced directives in writing? So every year, the Foundation for Healthy Communities does an audit in hospitals uh, during a day. They pick the one day in March, and they ask how many people have advanced directives. And over the last uh, decade, it's been somewhere between 35 and 40%. Last year, it was 37%. And we don't know if those represent good conversations. They just had an advanced directive. And, the, and, and those are people that are already been hospitalized, which, you know, you look at the whole population, probably tends to be elderly people or maybe let, so, you know, the, the real number when you look at younger people or people that have never been in a hospital is probably significantly lower than that. That's right. Most people want, uh, have ideas on how they want to spend the end of their life, but they don't usually talk over with anybody else. Most people want to die at home surrounded by loved ones, but most people die in an institution because they don't really plan ahead. Now, does your, um, the organizations that you mentioned, of course, this is a funeral-related show, and, and much of which we do talks about pre-planning and advanced planning and advanced directives don't necessarily get in, but do you sort of bring it or at least mention the next step and say, well, now that you have your advanced directives, you may want to also extend that to what your, what your final funeral wishes are. I mean, do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? I mean... We, we, we have that a lot. We, people come in and mom passed away and she hauled, had all these advanced directives and did this and had her will and had her trust and had this. Well, what did she want for funeral maintenance? Well, we don't know. We never talked about it. That's a great point. We have uh, developed an advanced care planning companion guide, which goes along with our conversation and goes mm -hmm. along with the New Hampshire uh, document that explores goals and values as well as things that people want to happen before they die as well as after they die. Mm -hmm. And so we think that's a great idea. As a matter of fact, um, there are things that people should do in addition to advanced care planning that do relate to lawyers. So just because you, people may put in an advanced directive what, what they want to have happen to them after they die um, and how that gets funded, et cetera, and how the legal aspects of that, that's nothing to do with an advanced directive. Right. Uh, so you, you 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 should seek a lawyer for that, or um, or a competent funeral director, or a competent <laughs> funeral director. Yes, absolutely. So I think planning in advance and not waiting for the last minute in a crisis makes a lot mm -hmm. of sense. So are these um, your advanced directives, the wishes you put down? Are these fully binding? Can they be upheld in court, or can the person that you put in charge, your DPOA, go in after the fact and just muck it all up? They're they're. <clears throat> They have the legal right to muck it all up. They do? Yeah, okay. so the um, advanced directive simply names someone who can speak on your behalf mm -hmm. when you're no longer able to. There's a few things in there that give them guidance on the decisions the person would like to make, and they have some freedom to specify things about that. But the person that you name um, can make decisions on your behalf mm -hmm. when a doctor determines that you're no longer able to speak for yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, now there are other kinds of advanced directives that are medical orders. One's called the POLST. That's for people near the end of life. And then there's a living will, which specifies if doctors have determined that you are terminal, what you would like done. But in the end, 
If you name someone who can speak on your behalf legally, they're speaking as if they're you. So you really want to make sure that they know what matters to you. Right. That's why you're saying that conversation is so important, so that they, they know what, what, what decisions to make that would honor your wishes. Right. There, there's evidence um, when we, there have been studies comparing people that have been through conversations with those that have not. And the impact, particularly on family, surviving family members, is that if someone has not been involved in a conversation, there's a measurable difference in the amount of depression and distress that family members feel for up to five years afterwards. So this is a gift to your family to have a discussion because a loving family member may not know what you want and regardless of what they choose, they will feel distress for years afterwards. Now, we deal, unfortunately, as I'm sure you do, with, with many dysfunctional families. And what if someone really and truly wants to have these advanced directives in place, but you know, may not want to put a dysfunctional family member in charge, or may not have a large family, or can they put their attorney? I know we deal with a lot of guardianship situations. Can a guardian, public guardian, um, be the one you name? How does that work if families aren't you know, the perfect TV-type family? Part of the... Um, conversation that we have is really picking the right agent. And it might not be a family member. If the family member, if the person, the person needs to be available and willing and able and be able to work under stressful situations and needs to know what you want and needs to be able to honor it even if they don't agree. And if you can't qualify your spouse or your child or a loved one to fit those criteria, then you need to pick somebody else. Do you have a relationship in your organization work with hospice? Because, of course, a lot of people under hospice care, you know, have not planned. It, it's a situation where maybe they not just found out that they have a terminal illness. And, um, you know, we deal with, with many, many hospice patients and hospice organizations throughout the state that are trying to pre-plan an arrangement in the 11th hour. I just found out my dad's under hospice care. They're giving him date. How do you work with hospice and weave in those advanced directives when, when people may have just found out that their family member has... has weeks or in sometimes days to, to live? Well, uh, hospice is, is for the end of life. Right. And our program uh, is, we hope, is way upstream from that situation. Certainly, if someone is at the end of their life and they haven't picked someone to speak on their behalf, they better do so pretty quickly because at some point they'll lose their ability to speak. Um, we have... Uh, we do have relationships. We coordinate some activities with hospice and palliative care, but they, um, rightly so, don't want our work in advanced care planning to be thought of as just about death and dying. Right. Because you might lose the ability to speak for yourself, not necessarily at the end of life, and you need someone to make decisions for you. We're, we focus on, and unfortunately, we deal with the same issues, and this is number, I'm not sure, is statistically valid, you know, statewide or nationwide, but in, in our situation, um, hospice patients, over 70% of them do not have advanced funeral arrangements in place. Um, so we are dealing with family members as in the 11th hour trying to speculate on what their family member may or may not want, funding, not understanding, you know, does my dad have life insurance? You never talked about that. We don't have anyone's name on bank accounts. What's going to happen about probate? So we're dealing with a lot of the, you know, the same issues in terms of, you know, people trying to, to, to plan something 
towards the end of life that maybe they should have thought about years and, and maybe decades ago. This is why this show is really so important because people don't want to talk about it. Right. You know, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody <laughs> wants to die. And so that's your ticket to heaven. Right. And so planning ahead is, is very important. Is it advanced directive mainly for medical decisions or you can you put someone in charge of your house and your pets and, and all of your physical possessions? So the advanced directive, the durable power of attorney for health care is really just about medical decisions. So you want to have a general power of attorney or a durable general power of attorney which is set up by a lawyer for those kind of decisions. And in our, again, going back to our world, a lot of people come in and they say, yep, I'm power of attorney for my mom, and I'm going to come in and make these. And, and when, when someone passes away, power of attorney goes away. So a lot of, you know, you get, as I'm, I keep going back to this dysfunctional family, but we had a situation not too long ago where the daughter was adamant about she's in charge of the funeral arrangements because she had power of attorney for her mom. And the reality was the other daughter lived out of state. And that was why the, the local daughter was power of attorney. And we say, you know, power of attorney goes away when someone passes away. And you don't, you know, you being a local daughter don't have any more standing than, you know, your, your sister who lived in California. And, um, a lot, you know, it's, it's getting those conversations ahead of time, which people don't, don't want to talk about. Right, right. Uh, exactly right. So how <laughs> long does the process generally take? And are there any fees involved? Um, it's the the advanced care planning conversation that we're using is modeled on the successes of La Crosse, Wisconsin, where 96% of people have advanced directives that are followed 99.5% of the time. Oh, wow. That's incredible. So <laughs> That's what, what's happening in La Crosse, Wisconsin that we don't know they, about? They, um, they uh, experienced uh, a lot of bad things in the, in the late 80s. Uh, there was a medical ethicist who was having to do consults for people who were on dialysis, who had had strokes, they couldn't speak for themselves, and the families didn't know what to do, so he's brought in for an ethical consult. And after about the 12th time that that happened, they said, we should be talking about this stuff before they have a stroke. <laughs> so they, they, they put aside differences in the city of La Crosse, Wisconsin, and they got two hospitals together, and they developed a program called Respecting Choices. And over the last two decades, they have uh, developed systems to study and improve the process for how to do this by standardizing the workflow, by training and certifying people on how to have the conversation, by developing educational material, and by doing quality improvement in a disciplined way, the way you do any kind of um, uh, measurable quality improvement. So what we've done uh, at Dartmouth-Hitchcock is we've engaged with the folks at Respect and Choices to help them come in and help us develop those systems uh, of care. And we're, we're working with teams of doctors around the state, um, and then we're starting to work with volunteers in the community to do that as well. Uh, we're working with, uh, because the conversations depend on if you're healthy or, you're, or you have a serious illness or you're near the end of life. Those conversations are a little different. So we train and certify volunteers to do this, and the conversations for a healthy adult can be anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes. For someone who is seriously ill, can be, seriously Ill could be 60 to 90 minutes. And they can get this information on the website for the, the advanced care planner that you mentioned, or in terms of being able to, to understanding the questions and walking through? Or So we, um, 
for our program, we're in the uh, early phase of it. There's lots of information on the internet. Mm -hmm. Foundation for Healthy Communities has a lot of useful information around advanced care planning, um, as well as uh, we have an 800 number, so if people want to talk about coming to a group conversation um, or meet with an individual, we have a, I can share the 800 number, 1-800-730-7577. That's 1-800-730-7577 <laughs> for, uh, to talk about getting, uh, and getting involved in one of these conversations. And tell us, talk a little bit more about your volunteer sort of network. So we have, uh, we're working with uh, volunteers that we've identified through an organization with Dartmouth Hitchcock called Partners for Community Wellness. And we have uh, paired up volunteers with our teams that are doing this improvement work. In fact, I have one of our volunteers here now, Maureen Hurdle, who can tell her, you a little bit about her experience working with us. Thanks. Why don't you tell us about yep, your experience with, uh, with advanced directives? Well, actually, I'm not one of the volunteers that facilitates the conversation, but I've been involved in the project. Okay. And to me, it was personally important, uh, only because I waited until my husband's third diagnosis of cancer before we did the will, the advanced directives, so on and so forth. Um, we actually learned things there, even though we'd been married for oh, a long time. <laughs> that I didn't realize, oh, you wanted that to happen? I mean, there were things that, and I, it was an education for me, and it was a stressful, stressful time to talk about it. I find it much easier now that I'm involved in this project and having gone through it that I talk to my family about it like I talk about the weather. Um, I actually, my daughter and her husband, brought their 18-year-old to one of Dartmouth Hitchcock's honoring care decision nights, and, and they met with a woman. And the reason for that is the 18-year-old's headed off to college. Whether he did or didn't, uh, once he's 18, my daughter said, you know, I, I really need to do something here. And I said, that's what I've been saying for a year or so, that get ready. And it's not just him. The whole family has to do it. So to me, it's personally important to, I find it easier to talk about, and it's much less stressful that I'm healthy. And I did do mine with a lawyer, very nice lawyer, nothing against him. <laughs> uh, he walked us through step by step, but knowing about the program now, I would have so much rather have talked to a medical professional or someone involved in the medical field about it. And, and I... I agree. My advanced directives and my wives are in place, but it was it was a a Check three minute box. conversation with our lawyer as we were doing our wills and our trusts and other estate work. Um, in, in hindsight, not that I would necessarily change anything. I think, you know, sitting in a in a seminar or workshop or, or being able to speak to a you know a medical professional or a volunteer, I think would have provided us some. Um, some more insights into maybe some of our choices. So if, you, if you've completed your directive, that doesn't stop you from continuing the conversation. That's correct. So you could, uh, you had it, if you don't change your mind about who is gonna speak on your behalf, you've, you've done a good thing. At least you've done that, now have the conversation, or continue the conversation. That's great advice. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on another informative episode of Dying to Talk. I definitely learned a lot. If our listeners have any questions about funerals or cremations, either in New Hampshire or Vermont, I'm happy to answer them. Just email me at buddy at finef.net. That's buddy at p-h-a-n-e-u-f.net. 
or call me on my direct line at 603-625-5778. Our contact information is in the show notes of this episode too. 